The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you all back. But let me tell you, I'm even more excited for our guest today. He's the CEO of Threefold Real Estate, Mr. Lee Yoder. Lee, thanks for joining us today. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Cody. Happy to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little chilly. I know we were talking a little bit about the weather and, uh, you know, it's uh, glad that we're both staying warm and being able to have you join us today. Uh, For those that are maybe hearing your voice, seeing your face uh, for the first time, would love to get your origin story where you're from, how you got into real estate, and really what you're what you're focused on these days. Yeah, yeah, I lo- love to share that story. I like to share a story because I I, I didn't do anything special, Cody. Um, so I think I, you know my story is very relatable. Anybody could could follow it and do it if they wanted to. So I'm uh, just north of Cincinnati, Ohio, here in Southwest Ohio. I'm a physical therapist by trade, so I was doing physical therapy and and I was doing home health physical therapy where I drive to older folks' homes and, and do therapy there because they can't get out to the clinic. And it was a great um, job for my family because I had a lot of flexibility, a lot of time. I made, you know, I made enough, made plenty for our family. My wife uh, is an RN, but she was just working PRN as needed. And so it was great. I mean, she, she loved it, but I just got, I think God did not create me to, to do something like that because I was just really bored and unfulfilled and not challenged. So the company I was with actually was a startup company. I didn't even really know it when I came on with them because I was just doing the physical therapy thing. But they uh, asked me to come in and be the clinical director. So I did that. And then I was moving toward like becoming a director of operations, really helping build this whole division for the company. Uh, and then things really switched. So now I'm like really challenged by my work, really fulfilled by it. I'm having fun at work, but now I don't have the good schedule for, for my family. And, you know, we're starting our family at this time. We got two young kids. My wife's staying home all the time with them, which, you know, some people think means that I can work even more. It's actually the opposite. It's that she wants me home even more because you know, she's at home all day. And it's like, yeah, it's your turn. Get, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard with two young kids, right? So, yeah. So then it was kind of the opposite. So I was kind of looking for, okay, where's that? I, I want to be able to work a lot, but like control my work. I, mm-hmm. You know, I want to get up in the morning and work. But you know what? When you're climbing the corporate ladder, and this is, you know, pre-COVID, so maybe some people have different options now, which is great. I needed to be there. Like they wanted me there. They didn't care what I was doing at home. They didn't care if, you know, if I'm working from home on the weekends, it's like, that's awesome. Keep doing that. But we also want you here like nine, 10 hours a day. And it, you know, it was just, it's, it's not what I wanted. I want to work that much, but I want to be able to do it when I want. And when the kids are asleep, stuff like that I was kind of looking for something. And somebody handed me, you know, a real estate book. And then I found rich dad, poor dad. And I started to go, okay, I think there's a whole different way to do this. I think I can have fulfilling work and challenging work but controlled a little bit more. And, and I loved real estate. Now, what I really think I was looking for was like just entrepreneurship, being able to go out and do something, um, you know, where you can control your time, still work really hard, uh, but you can control it a little bit more. What I, the plan I came up with, Cody, and, and again, I think this might be relatable today for people that, because a lot of people are finding themselves working from home and maybe they have more flexibility. I said, well, let me go back to home health physical therapy where I have the flexibility, I have the capacity because I'm going to be bored and I can start real estate as a side hustle. So that's what I did. I left at the end of 2016, left my job, took about a 30% pay cut, but, you know, still making enough, but I I was, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, doing pretty well, but went back doing home health, physical therapy and started real estate on the side. Um, And I got my first, you know, deal toward the end of 2017 and I flipped a house and then I went to a duplex and then I got some small multifamilies. And then this year now, you know, we syndicate apartment buildings. So um, that's kind of how I got started in in the progression there. 
Man, I love it. And, and listen, we talk about it all the time. I love everyone's origin story because you don't have to come from real estate to be in real estate. I think right. a lot of us, to your point, like real estate as a vessel to really get us into entrepreneurship. I know yes. looking back and thinking a lot about the past year of what we've done here in Charleston and what we're looking to do, for me, the challenge was more entrepreneurial than it was. I like real estate. I like it a lot. Obviously, that's yeah. what we do, syndication as well. But really the idea of entrepreneur, owning my own time, owning my own uh, business, running it with my partner, and really being able to set my own schedule. It's not that we work yes. less. It's that we work differently. You know, I yeah. two kids as well. I work in the morning. I get them up, get them to daycare. Then I come up to my office and I'm working more. And then I'm shut it down around like 434, 45, because I got to go get them from daycare, cook dinner, do the yep. family stuff, then get them down. And then I'm probably working a little bit more at night. And it's not your typical nine to six, eight to five hour lunch break, all the other stuff. Exactly. It's, yep. it's sometimes yeah. more challenging than, mm -hmm. than that. But yeah, I love it. So, so Lee, tell me this, you're, you're going through this. I would imagine it hasn't been always sunshine and rainbows along the way in your real estate career. You know, you got, you said you got your first yeah, deal right around uh, 2017. I think it was, uh -huh. um, talk to us about some of the, the things that come to mind when we talk about unsuccess stories. Well, I guess the very first was what, you know, I flipped the house and I figured out real quick that flipping is not investing. Learn that, you know, and luckily I'm listening to podcasts like yours, Cody, um, where I already had guys telling me that, but I kind of needed to find out for myself. And we flipped the house and, and we were successful on it. You know, I, I told you I left my job and I took a 30% pay cut. And then that year, or really it was the next year, we flipped a house and I basically made back that 30%, but I was working a lot because I'm doing a full-time job and doing a flip. So it was like, this is just a different job. Now it got me into real estate. So I don't necessarily, it's one of those things I wouldn't do it again, but I, I, I'm glad I did because it got me into real estate. I met people, you know what I mean? But that was kind of the first um, unsuccess was like, okay, we kind of had some success, but that's not what we want to do. We want to invest. We want a passive income. That was, you know, it's, it's not passive income at all. So that was the first one. But then when I first got into multifamily, we got a 16 unit. I really undercalculated um, the amount of deferred maintenance we were going to have. So you know, when we went in, there were already three vacancies, three out of 16. And I figured some people would move out. So I, you know, I came in with the capital to, to, to and, and do some common area stuff. So we had enough capital to do the CapEx projects we want to do. Rehab three units, probably another three units. What I really did not count on was the amount of deferred maintenance. So I didn't think that people that stayed and stayed in their apartment, that we would spend thousands of dollars on their unit. And, and that's what happened. A water heater goes out thousand dollars, another one thousand. Because the type of property I was buying, I should have known that the previous owners were not keeping up with water heaters. We're not keeping up with plumbing issues. We're not, you know what I mean? I, I knew that, but I just didn't capitalize myself well enough to be able to take those on. I was in a position, I knew I was in this position where I could put some money into it. And that's what I did. You know, I, I ended up putting some of my own money in, but that it doesn't look good. Uh, you know, I just had one investor, my, my in-laws and, and, you know, they don't care and all that, but it, that was a good lesson was like, if, if you're taking on a distressed property, uh, even if it's just a value add property and you, and you know that the previous owners really were not keeping up with all the maintenance stuff and you go to your inspection, you're seeing that expect to spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, depending on how big the property is on the, the tenants that stay there, you know? So, um, that's where I came in undercapitalized. I mean, we, we went into a girl's, um, unit to, to fix her toilet, to replace the toilet. And she showed me, she didn't even have running water in her vanity sink. Again, I just didn't think people would live like that. So right. you don't, I didn't expect that kind of an expense because I thought, well, 
if somebody's living in that unit, it's at least this good, right? I had this, this idea in my mind that the units where people are living in, they're at least this good and they weren't. So we end up spending it because I'm not going to let somebody live without water in their name. Right. So we're right. fixing that. Uh, so, you know, we, we spent a lot of money and, and I had to put a little bit more money into the deal and it all worked out and all that, but it, it helped me learn a lesson to, to really come in with a lot more capital ready to go for deferred maintenance. What do you see now having gone through that? And if somebody's listening, they're going to get their first deal. They're looking at their first deal. It might be a, a, a small multifamily or medium or even large. If they're trying to tackle these types of things, what kind of percent should they set aside for uh, maintenance, deferred maintenance, whatever it may be? What do you? What's like a good estimate in your head that they should be thinking capital-wise for that maintenance to yeah. fix up a lot sure. of the deal? Part, part of the answer has to be that it depends, of course, right? Like, again, if you're buying a B-class property that's pretty well stabilized, you don't need this. And I think a lot of people, Cody, I don't know, I, you know, rule of thumb, 500 bucks per unit per year is kind of an odd, a, a quick, like, maintenance. I would say double that for your first year if you're coming in and say, hey, it's going to be more like a 1000 bucks per unit this year. And then, hey, into year two and three, I mean, you know, the, the good thing is, it doesn't keep up. Like, you know, we go in and, and we handle the deferred maintenance and, and then we're good. So, but I would say maybe in first year, maybe you double that. Maybe you say it's going to be a thousand bucks per unit in maintenance costs. Uh, and, and then, hey, year two, we're back down to 500 per unit. But I, I would, yeah, maybe kind of look at it like that, maybe double it in that first year. Yeah, that's good to know because the I, I know the the dirty word in our industry is capital call. And we if you are syndicating yes, a deal, right. you don't necessarily want to have to do that. That's not, a, no, as you said, no. it's not a good look. It means that you you probably underprepared or something went wrong in yep. the pro forma that yep. your your underwriting just didn't model that out. So you want to avoid that at all costs, not having to do that capital call. So over speculating on the front end, you know, yep. and making sure the numbers still work. I mean, listen, if you if you don't need to spend that money, that's just better returns. Right. It's still yours. Yeah. Yeah. It's still your money. Yep. Yeah, and Absolutely. you can choose what to do with it. Maybe there's yep. another, you know, another project that you can do. I know uh, yep. PropTech's a big thing right now with uh, upfitting a lot of the the apartments that we're buying. You know, a lot of different things you can do with that money, or yes. just return it back to the investors. You know, right, whatever yep. you want to do. Yeah, so absolutely. Any other lessons learned uh, along your way in what you've done from uh, your career in real estate thus far? Anything else that sticks out in your mind that you want to talk about today? One one lesson I've learned, um, a book I like to refer Cody is uh, the Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. A lot of a lot of things in life are like this, where but but certainly trying to buy an apartment building, and, and you and I were kind of complaining to each other, you know, just just how, how difficult it is to get in. There's a lot of things like this in life, but the Compound Effect says that you're going to work really hard, or you you should work really hard for a long time, but in certain industries and in certain parts of life, you're going to feel like you're seeing no success from all that work. But what you're really doing is you're building up all this momentum and eventually you're going to see this exponential growth. And, and he gives a picture of like, hey, if somebody, and I forget the exact numbers, Cody, but if somebody offers you $2 million or they say, hey, I'll give you a penny today, but I'll give you double that tomorrow and double that the next day and I'll double it every day for 30 days. You just can't imagine that starting with a penny and then the next day is two pennies, next day is four pennies. You can't imagine that in 30 days, it's going to be more than 2 million, but it is, it's like, 2.5, or maybe it's 5 million. I mean, on day 31, it'd be five. If it was five. On day 20, you're still well behind. Like on day 20, you're still at like, I don't know, 1200 bucks or something. It still right. feels like I'll never get to 2 million. Like I made the wrong decision, but it's in those last few days that you just take off. And, and certainly trying to buy an apartment buildings like that. Like I said, there, there's other things. I think entrepreneurship in general, you know, you start something, you do all this work 
and probably for the first year, it feels like, did I get anywhere? I, you know, I don't have the sales. I, you know, I'm not making money. You know, I, I spent a bunch of money, right? I spent a bunch of time, but you've built up so much momentum. You've, 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 you have broker relationships now. Maybe you've got a podcast going like, like you and I do. You know, you've got all these investors ready to go. You've underwritten 100 deals, you know, 120 like you guys have. So now you're really good at underwriting. So you've done all these things. Yes, you don't have a deal, but it's because you've built up all this momentum that a month from now, all of a sudden you have 100 units. Did you go from zero to 100 units in, in that month? No, it was everything you did for the past 10 months. So we don't know that, you know, only, only God knows, you know, his will for us and when we're going to get that first one. But I try, to, I try to remind myself of that all the time. And I'd like to remind others of that you know, that compound effect, just know you're making a lot of progress. It's just, you're, unfortunately, you're not seeing that end prize yet, but that's just the nature of the business. It's going to take a long time. And then soon you're going to hit that. And, and you know, uh, Michael Blanc likes to talk to law, the first deal, you get that first deal and all of a sudden you get the second one. It happens like that a lot. And so hang in there um, and, and stay consistent. I mean, you know, you, you and I are big, big fans of Joe Farrell. And I know for him, you know, he started a podcast he was doing it. I think he started out just doing it weekly and he did it like six months or something. And, and, it, and he was seeing nothing from it. I mean, people can't imagine that Joe was seeing no success. It seemed like he had success right away, but he didn't. And, you know, then I think his coach was like, do it every day. And he's like, and you're nuts. And he's doing it every day and still nothing. And then like all of a sudden a year it clicks and boom, he's off to the moon. Right. But right. even for him, it's that compound effect. You know, it, it, it's a, it's a crazy thing, but you got to stick with it. And I think you're right because all all the foundation that you're leading, meeting the PMs, meeting the brokers, meeting the insurance agents, meeting other operators and and syndicators, all of a sudden when the deal pops up, that's going to be yours and you don't know it at that time, but it's going to be yours. You have these contacts and instead of it taking three weeks to get all the information you need together and to do the underwriting and all that, you can turn everything around in 24 hours or 48 hours and say, listen, this is this is everything we got. There's everything you need. Yep. Here's our offer. And because you're fast, you're efficient, and you have a, you know everything together, the broker's probably going to advocate for you like, hey, th- this team has it together. Like, yes. They it's came only with, they because came we've with, been working for months and months and months to get there. Yep. Ex- exactly. I'll never forget. We A, a while back ago, we interviewed Brian Briscoe, and uh, I'll mm-hmm. never forget. He, he talked about the struggle getting their first deal. And what they had to do, they almost lost it at the very tail end, getting to the closing table and all this stuff. And they gave up a ton of equity in their first deal to make it work. They still liked the deal that much. It was such a screamer. They gave up a ton of equity. And I knew what was coming. I asked him, I said, hey, what was the delta between your first deal and your second deal? Four months. Four months between his first deal and his second deal. And it took him 14 months to get the first one. Yep. So so to your point, you got to stick it out and, and you don't see a lot of progress. I'm bad about that myself. I'll, I'll oh, me too. point the mirror at myself. Yep. It's like, we're not doing anything. We're not doing anything. We're not seeing the results, but it is. We're chipping away. So, Lee, I absolutely love that. I can't think of a better spot to wrap up than there. There's a, there are a ton of lessons in there, folks. If, if you need to, go back and listen to this one. Lee, it was giving us a lot of golden nuggets there. Lee, for those that want to work with you, those that want to learn from you, those that want to listen to your show, uh, where's the best place for people to find you? Sure, Cody. I appreciate that. Uh, the best place is go to our website, threefold, and that's spelled out T H R E E F O L D R E I as in real estate investing.com. Go there. You can find, uh, I, I've got a podcast as well, um, Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. You can you know, find the link to it uh, there. Um, you know, our email is info at threefoldrei.com, but you can sign up you know, to be part of our email list and all that uh, right through the website. So yeah, check us out on the website. I'm on LinkedIn a lot and Facebook too. You can look me up on my name there. Perfect. 
Well, Lee, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on board. I really, really appreciate it and making the time for us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Cody. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And thanks everyone for listening at home. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.